Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Monday night class studying the Amidah from the great words of Rabbi Zev Lefshlita. We are in the middle of a uh, two-part section on the fifth Beracha, the Beracha of Repentance, Beracha of Teshuvah, in part one, which you can listen to on our podcast that was posted a few weeks ago. We discuss what really Teshuvah is. Um, in terms of the the vidui, the confession that's involved, as long as any deadlines that are involved, the miracle, the whole concept of Teshuvah from the beginning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, with your permission, we'll get into the actual blessing itself, and we'll conclude uh, we'll conclude with that. So again, thank you everybody for joining tonight live. Whether you're here or listening online, or you're listening it tomorrow or in the future on our podcast, Finding Holiness. Dot com or findingholiness.buzzsprout.com. So who was the first penitent? Who was the first individual to perform Teshuvah? That's the first thing we're going to talk about today. So this Beracha of Teshuvah, the fifth Beracha of the Amidah, was initially recited by the angels, the Malachim, when none other than Reuven, the son of Yaakov Abinu, did Teshuvah for the sin of disturbing his father's bed. The Midrash says in Bereshit Rabbah, from the time of creation, nobody has ever sinned before me and repented until Reuven repented first. That's why his descendant, Hoshea, will also open the way for Teshuvah, as it says in Sefer Hoshea, Shuva Yisrael ad Adonai Elohecha ki chasalta ba'avonecha, ki chasalta ba'avonecha, Return, Israel, to Hashem your God, for you have stumbled in your sin. So this is the Midrash. The Midrash is a little bit difficult to understand. Uh, Reuven was not the first person to sin and repent. That's problem number one. Adam HaRishon and Cain, both of them sinned at the beginning of the world, and they both repented. Uh, Not only that, Hosea, was not the first prophet to uh, exhort the Jewish people to do Teshuvah. So how do we make sense of this Midrash? So both Cain and Adam sinned and repented, but they didn't repent until God initiated their response. Reuven, on the other hand, repented on his own initiative. He initiated his own Teshuvah without being goaded into it by God. And therefore, Hosea... His descendant exhorts Bnei Israel to take the first step. You return. Shuva Yisrael. Don't wait for God to urge you to do Teshuvah. That's very nice. Beautiful answer. There's another problem with this. Problem is that there's a Gemara, Masechet Sota, that says, that asks the question, who caused Reuven to admit his guilt? It was Yehuda, his brother. Yehuda, who admitted with regard to what he did with Tamar. So this implies that Reuven also needed to be motivated to repent. And he did not initiate it on his own. 
So how can we say that Reuven was the one who initiated Teshuvah if he learned it from his brother Yehuda? And even this Midrash is difficult to understand. Chachamim, it's quoted by Rashi in Parashat Vayeshev, tell us that Reuven was already repenting his sin at the time of Mechirat Yosef, at the sale of Yosef, while the episode of Yehuda and Tamar didn't even happen yet until after the selling of Yosef. So how could Yehuda's admission be the motivating force behind Reuven to repent when it didn't even happen yet? So Reuven's sin was unique because he felt that he was doing a mitzvah. And he observed after Rachel Imenu passed away that Yaakov could have moved his bed to his mother's tent, his mother's tent, Leah. But instead, he moved it to the tent of Bilha. And Reuven felt that this was an insult. It was an affront to to her, uh, to her his mother. Should have brought it to Leah. She's the next main wife. I understand you want to put your bed in Le- and Rachel. Fine, I get it. Now she's dead. So now the bed belongs in Leah's tent, my mother. Um, initially, Reuven repented on his own. But only he only repented for the immodest method that he used to lodge the protest. He didn't repent for the protest itself because he felt the protest was justified. So before Yaakov Inu died, he castigated his son Reuven, not for the immodest method, but rather for the protest. That's exactly what he was telling him. Because the protest was wrong. Yes, Reuven defended his mother's honor, but by doing so, he dishonored his father. And he should have been more conscious and more deliberate um, and realized that he should have discussed the matter with his father first before taking matters into his own hands. And this lack of thought, this lack of deliberation and respect uh, invalidated him to be a king, to be a firstborn, to be a Kohen. And as a result, he was stripped of all of these titles. And only after Yehuda admitted his own guilt without hesitation, without trying to justify his actions, without trying to make excuses, did Reuven now reassess his sin, and he admitted that even the protest was wrong. Um, uh, and that's that's what brought him to Teshuvah. That was the first time someone sinned lefanai, before me, like the Midrash says, Hashem says, in my presence and, and repented. Usually, Averot, sin, is done to, to escape or at least to hide from God's presence. But Reuven, thinking that what he was doing was a mitzvah, he performed it in God's presence. I'm, I'm doing this when I'm God, I'm not ashamed. I'm embarrassed. It's what I think is right. So it was the first time that someone did what he wrongly thought was a mitzvah, but later did Teshuvah as a result. And so too Hosea, the descendant of Reuben. He was the first prophet to exhort B'nai Israel to repent for similar sins, sins that we wrongly thought were a mitzvah. These sins is what he calls kashalta ba'avonecha. You stumbled in in uh, in sin. I spoke about this at length on the Shabbat Shuvah. You can also check that out on our podcast way back when, before Yom Kippur. This stumbling is what Hosea was referring to in his prophecy. The paths of Hashem are straight, 
Tzadikim walk in them, the wicked stumble in them. <clears throat> the Gemara explains that this refers to two people, both intending to do a mitzvah. One performs it in a way that it's in fact a mitzvah, and the other person does it in a way where it leads to sin. And it's to these types of sins, mistaken for mitzvot, that Hosea refers to. And this was the type of sin that Reuven spearheaded Teshuvah for. It's a type of sin that is most difficult to identify. It's most difficult to admit one's error. It's most difficult to do Teshuvah, because originally, initially, it wasn't perceived as a sin at all. And therefore, the Berachav Teshuvah was initiated for these sins specifically, and that it includes all the other sins of a lesser degree. <clears throat> Let's go into the Berachah a little bit. There are 15 words in this beracha, and this signifies the seven heavens and the seven spaces in between them that lead us to the Kisea Kavod, God's throne of glory, which is the 15th level. And it teaches us that Teshuvah actually has the ability to break all barriers and reaches all the way. Ad Hashem Elokecha. Shuvah, he said, Ad Hashem Elokecha, right to the Kisea Kavod itself. And that throne represents Hashem's uh, divine providence, and uh, that Teshuvah is able to change the providence and return things to the way they were prior to the sin. So 15 represents the notion of ascension, of going up, level by level. We start imperfect, and we go towards perfection, and specifically a perfection that we had initially when we were born, and we lost that perfection. Um, and, and, you know, similarly, we have the moon, by the way. The moon also uh, is seen in phases. And for the first 15 days, it grows and grows until it's in its complete full form. And that takes that takes 15 days. So 2-2-15, we see this idea of ascension towards perfection. Also, there were 15 steps leading from the Ezrat Nashim, the women's courtyard to Ezrat Israel to the to the courtyard of Israel in the Beit Hamikdash, and there are fifteen songs of ascension, Shir Hamaalot, that were composed by David Amelech. One song to be sung on each of those steps, and these are the steps that are leading back to the Kedushah of Gan Eden that the Beit Hamikdash represents. Not only that, the Haggadah Shel Pesach lists fifteen Maalot Tovot. Lamakom Alenu Kama Maalot Tovot. Right? That's the song Dayenu, right? From the time of the Exodus until the building of the Bet HaMikdash. And also 15 steps in the Haggadah, Kadesh, Urchatz, Karpas, Yahat. Number 15 always refers to this idea of perfection. The Ramban, in his preface to Sefer Shemot, explains that the whole book of Sefer Shemot speaks of the fall of Klal Israel from the level of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and their ultimate return to that level after the Geula. And it culminates with the erection of the Mishkan, because only then, once the Mishkan was built, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence one more time descended and devolved upon the Jewish people, and that's when they were able to return to the holy level of their forefathers, uh, who, of course, represented HaKadosh Baruch Hu themselves. So the 15 levels of redemption signify the return to original Perfection. So what do we learn from this? The Teshuvah is a process. It takes uh, it takes time. It develops stage after stage until it's complete, until it reaches perfection and it reaches God's heavenly throne. And therefore, the original state of perfection that the soul was prior 
to us sitting now reverts back to the way it was meant to be. Number 15 also represents a connection between the letter Yud, which the world to come, Olam Haba, was created, and the letter He, with which this world was created. Yud and He together are 15. So Teshuvah enables a rejoining of the next world with this world. And last but not least, the Bracha of Teshuvah begins with the letter He. Hashivenu. And it ends with the letter He. Teshuvah ends with He. And the numerical value of He is 5. And so the two He's total 10. Hinting to the 10 days of repentance. That epitomize the concept of Teshuvah. So number 10 is very, very important as well in the realm of repentance. It also symbolizes that unity that bridges... Um, the unity of one, and as well, the many other uh, integers represent the units of ten. One, ten, hundred, really all in one. So, so Teshuvah returns us to the unity of one, that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, after one, God forbid, us straight onto other paths. Okay, the bracha begins, Hashivenu avinu letoratecha. Return us, our Father, to your Torah. Here, the Torah comments that the Father's obligation is to teach his son Torah. And hence, we refer to God in this opening phrase of the blessing as Avinu, Hashivenu Avinu, our Father. We beseech Him to return us to His Torah. The path of Teshuvah begins with Torah study. There are various reasons for this. Number one, if a person isn't learned, he will never know what he did wrong or what he omitted. And therefore, he's never able to repent. That's why the Gemara tells us in Masechet Berachot, that if one encounters hardships and suffering and sarot, he has to carefully examine and analyze his actions to see and de- determine what sin is causing this suffering, this sad. And what if he really, really looks and he finds no sin? I checked. I, I, I thought of my last uh, two years. I can't find any sin. I don't know why I'm suffering. Then he should attribute it to bitul Torah, to wasting time that should be spent in studying Torah. The obvious question is, if wasting time meant for Torah study is uh, is in itself a very grave sin, so how can the Gemara say that he found no sin upon which to blame the sufferer? We just said, you wasted time in Torah, that's, that's your thing, that's your sin. So some explain that by studying Torah, one learns what constitutes sin. It's not a suffering that one blames on the lack of Torah study, but rather the fact that one found no sins. Your problem is that you weren't able to find any sins because that's a result of not learning enough Torah. Because of your ignorance, he doesn't even realize that what he's doing is a sin. If he would have learned more and wasted less time, then he would have been aware of this. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is that Torah study leads to immediate repentance. Uh, That's based on the Rabbeinu Yonah. He says that Tamih Chacham will always immediately Repent for any sin that he may commit. We're not perfect. Chachamim aren't perfect. Tzadikim aren't perfect. They sin. But once they realize they sin right away and they do Teshuvah. So therefore, if a certain individual was to delay in his Teshuvah, that's a sign that the person is deficient in his Torah study. Only a person that is steeped in Torah can appreciate the harm of a sin and the distance that is created as a result of it between him and God. And only such a person will feel the 
immediate ur urgency to correct that situation and come closer once again to God. The Abu Daham remarks and says that the Tamid Chacham isn't embarrassed to repent because he's returning to his origin. Again, like we said, he's returning to that state of perfection. So he recognized that he strayed from his essence and he's interested in regaining uh, that original state. Uh, we, we, before, before we were born, we had the entire Torah knowledge embedded inside our brains. It was taught to us by an angel. The thought of returning to that perfectly pure state removes any embarrassment or hindrance of Teshuvah. Last but not least, the Torah keeps us, keeps us away from harm. The Torah acts as a protection. This return to Torah guarded by Akados Baruch Hu, Hashem our Father, hints at the fact that Averot is actually harmful to our being, to our essence. And Hashem, therefore, like a father, guides his children on the right path through the Torah to avoid these acts and behaviors and therefore allow us to repent to avoid any suffering or any negative consequences. So that's Hashivenu Avinu Letoratecha. Then it's Vekarevenu Malkenu Labodatecha. Bring us near our king to your service. So we mentioned that it's the father who brings us close to the Torah. That's the first word to the Berakha. But it's the king, it's Malkenu, who brings us to his service after we've rebelled against him. And this represents a second aspect of sin that we spoke about in the last class, the rebellion against the king. We ask the king to bring us closer to the Avodah, and that includes uh, mitzvot and tefillah and generally accepting God, God's kingship and doing so that we, we, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to free us from the yoke of the materialism, the physicality and, the, and, and, and foreign powers, the need to, to constantly work and seek out parnasah. Those things are usually what leads us astray and what leads us to commit Averot. Now, others say that when we first exhibit a desire to do Teshuvah, God shows His mercy, um, God shows us mercy as a father to help us return to Him. But how is God going to test our sincerity? How is He going to uh, validate our Teshuvah? Okay, I helped you on the path, but are you going to keep to it? So in order to test our sincerity, He sends us difficulties. He sends us tzarot. And this comes from God the King, not God the Father. He wants to see if we're still going to be able to accept the yoke of His service even in difficult circumstances, even when we go, we are going through trying times. So with regards to the return of Torah, we, we use hashivenu avinu le-toratecha. Hashivenu means return us. The word return is used. With regards to the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it says, Vekarevenu, and bring us close. Why the difference? Why does it say, Hashivenu, return us by Torah, and Vekarevenu, and bring us close with regards to the service? Because once HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps us in returning towards a Torah study, now the light of the Torah has the power to return us totally to Him. But that power is not inherent in all the other mitzvot. Hashem initiates us to draw close, but we have to continue the process to return on our own. The ability to hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to do Teshuvah requires that a person be able to patiently 
slowly evaluate the circumstances in his life, the situation that he finds himself in, and the ramifications that are involved. And this requires a person not being overwhelmed uh, so that he's able to make the right decisions and evaluate his life properly. So we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to return us to the Torah so that we can have the far-reaching, proper outlook necessary to allow us to do Teshuvah to hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu's word. And we ask Him to bring us close to that service so and not being dragged down by mundane pursuits and, and, and physicality that block our ability to function properly in spirituality. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to return us to the Torah and draw close to His Avodah. Torah is not bound by any special place or time. I can learn Torah at 3 o'clock in the morning on the top of a mountain by myself. And uh, it requires nothing more than just returning to it. I go, I wake up, and I open my Sefer, and I start learning. Avodah, on the other hand, has its place in time. I can't pray Shacharit at 3 in the morning. I can't pray Mincha at 10 in the morning. And there's special times, special places. I can't I can't say Shema in a place where it's dirty and putrid. Can't be. So therefore, that requires a drawing close to the proper place. Of course, what's the ultimate place? Eretz Yisrael, Bet HaMikdash, the proper times. That's what we pray for, Bekarevenu. And last idea in this request is the idea that uh, we get the incentive to repent, that that should come from the Torah learning and the performance of mitzvot, that generate other mitzvot, including teshuvah. And so we ask that it not ne- be not necessary for our Kadosh Baruch Hu to give us uh, other uh, pokes to do teshuvah, such as sufferings or calamities. We want it to come be be ahava and be simha, that we want to do it and we want to come close. And bring us to return in perfect repentance before you. Blessed are you, Hashem, who desires repentance. So now that we've prayed for the incentives and the proper environments to generate the Teshuvah, and we've initiated our return, we ask Hashem to do His part. We ask God to complete our teshuvah as a teshuvah shelema, as a perfect repentance. Again, this perfection is very important. We said it's connected to number 15. It's not the quantity that matters, but it's the quality of the perfection. Where Whether one is capable of doing more or less is irrelevant. The main factor is how one's heartfelt emotion is towards a teshuvah person has to strive for perfection. You would strive for perfection at your own job, with your own family, with the sports that you play. So you strive for perfection when it comes to your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But only Hashem can crown you with that perfection. Because this world is imperfect. God created the world perfectly, but we make it imperfect with our sins. So we attempt perfection, but Hashem has to crown us with that perfection. So the Perfect teshuvah is lefanecha. Hashivenu avachazirenu b'tshuvah lefanecha. He exists only in God's presence through His help. Another idea that's 
actually hinted in the phrase is based on that of, of complete teshuvah is achieved only when a person finds himself in the same circumstances in which he sinned. And the second time he succeeds in overcoming that temptation. So one year ago, you had a big, big ta'ava for, uh, for uh, a Big Mac. Something got over you and you just had to try that cheeseburger. And you went and you tried the cheeseburger. It's big avera, a lot of averot there. You ate from a trafe animal, you ate meated milk, there was maritain, there was uh, the cheese that was bad. It was all well, a horrible thing. And you didn't say a It was just really, really, really bad. Bad day, bad day of averot. And you repented. You do teshuvah, you're Yom Kippur, you cried out to Hashem, won't do it again. Fast forward a year later and you're starving. And you're starving. And the only place you see is... Uh, say McDonald's, and you have the Big Mac there, and someone comes out and goes, oh, we have a special, 99 cents, today only. You look at your wallet, all you have is 99 cents. Unbelievable. It must be Mina Shamaim that I have to have this Big Mac. So God places you in the same situation again to see if you're going to succeed in overcoming that Yetzirah to sin. The Rambam says that perfect Teshuvah is achieved when Hashem, who knows everything that is hidden, can testify that he will not perform this Avera again. And therefore, when we ask for Teshuvah Shalema, perfect Teshuvah, we ask for it, but we qualify it. We ask that instead of having to be tested again in the same circumstance and maybe not pass, it will be suffice lefanecha in your presence, that you, Akados Baruch Hu, who knows the future, will testify now to our sincerity, to testify now and permit us to achieve perfect teshuvah as if we were tested a second time. The word lefanecha also connotes that of sequence. Permit us to return in a perfect teshuvah before you. Hashem, we ask you, take the initiative and return to us. The Midrash tells us in Echa Rabbah that Hashem exhorts us and says, Shuvu elai Return to me, God says, you return to me, and then I will return to you. And B'nai Yisrael responds, no, Hashivenu Adonai Elecha Venashuva. You return to us first, and then we will follow. It's to our advantage to initiate the Teshuvah. We're rewarded more if we take the first step, no question. We gave the initiative, we put in the effort, without help, it's unbelievable. But it's still acceptable to receive help and assistance if that's the only way that we can achieve the desired result. Our first desire is, as like Hashem said, we return to Him before He takes a step. But if this is not feasible, then we beg Him to take the initiative and not leave us falling on the wayside sitting. The conclusion of the Beracha is, And this is hinting to the Gemara in, in, in the Yerushalmi. Masechet Makot that says, Torah, Chokhmah, and Nevuah all had other opinions as to what sins one who sins should do. Interesting Gemara over there. God uh, asked Torah, Chokhmah, Nevuah, wisdom, prophecy, and the Torah, what should we do with a guy who sins? And uh, their response is, we should kill him. Um, we should uh, we, uh, sacrifice him. Other crazy responses. 
And only Hashem himself offered the option of Teshuvah. Hashem is the one who desires Teshuvah. This is what God wants. He wants Teshuvah. And this is uh, echoing a famous pasuk in Yechezkel that Hashem, that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not desire the death of the wicked, but rather he wants his repentance so that he can continue to live. All God wants is people to live in this world and to serve him. And even, even the wicked, even the Rasha'im have this opportunity. It's not, you know, all and done. No, you, you sinned your whole life. Just forget about it. One act of Teshuvah, God wants to see you come, come back. Uh, there are three aspects to Teshuvah that we request in this blessing. Hashivenu, return to us. Karevenu, um, uh, sorry, Hashivenu, return us. Karevenu, bring us close. And Hachazirenu, and, and, uh, and return. The, the Chachamim explained that these three ideas represent Torah, Avodan, Gemilut, Hasadim. The three pillars that the world stands on. When a person does Teshuvah, he returns to Torah study, like we said. He returns to Hashem's service and also to Gemilut Chasadim. Why Gemilut Chasadim? Because the greatest Chesed a person could do for himself and for this world is to return to Hashem. It's the greatest Chesed. And because by doing so, you, you nullify all the personal and universal effects of his Averot. So Chachamim ask a question. If we ask in this Beracha for Torah, and we also ask for return to his service, and will we say, then why do we conclude with the Beracha of Harotzeh B'Tshuva? Why Harotzeh B'Tshuva alone? Should say, Torah Why do we conclude with Harotzeh B'Tshuva? So answers the Shelah Kadosh, unbelievable. He says that the main thrust of this Beracha is to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us in order to humble us, to subdue our Yetzir Hara, so that we have the ability and capacity to return to Him. So all the other things that are mentioned in this Beracha, the Torah, the Avodan, the Migrut Hasadim, are all a means to reach the end. The end of Teshuvah. It's not specifically the Torah or the Avodah or the Gemilul Hasadim that we seek in the Beracha, but rather we seek to return to Akadosh Baruch Hu. And Torah, Avodah, and Gemilul Hasadim are the vehicles that effect that return. And that's why the Beracha concludes only with Harotzeh B'Tshuvah. Unbelievable when you look at it. Arguably, Paul, we want most important blessing that we have in the, in the Amidah. 15 words. 15 words. So small, but yet uh, but yet so powerful. I want you, those listening here, to think of yourself. Think of somebody, you know, that, that may need this inspiration. Sometimes we go through hard times, you know, difficulties, uh, calamities, chas looking around, things not going well, and we uh, we wonder, why is it happening to me? Well, like we quoted the Gemara, you got to look at yourself. What are the actions that you've done over the time, over um, over all the all the period of your life that can warrant this? Why is this happening to you? Look at your sins. Look at your actions. I can't find it. You can't find it. Why are you saying Torah all the time? If you've even wasted ten minutes of time, 
then according to Gemara, that could be a reason why you're why you're suffering, and that's something that you need to repent for. Again, we speak for ourselves. Uh, I speak for myself, and 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 I'm sure a lot of people can really introspect and see. Okay, listen, there's 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 ways we need to improve over here. There's ways we need to improve, and we know we can't do it alone. We know we can't do it. true perfection only comes like we said. Only God can crown the the true perfection. I was hearing a, I was hearing a. a a podcast this week, an interview um, on the great uh, the great Y Y Jacobson, of um, world renowned speaker. Uh, he was interviewed by uh, some some rabbis in, uh, in the United States. An unbelievable interview, and uh, he was relating how difficult it was in um, in Russia during the communist era of his uh, of his family growing up, his grandparents growing up, and you know, we, 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 he was he was saying that, you know, we, we, we always think of the worst of the worst as being like Hitler. Of course, he was definitely, because what Stalin, Marchemont, did in Russia, the, the hundreds of millions that he killed, um, and, and how Judaism was almost completely, completely decimated. There was a handful of Jews left in, uh, in, in Russia. Everybody else lost their identity or was killed. And uh, he was uh, he was explaining how his how his grandfather was one of the individuals that started an an underground system of Jewish schools, all all under underground so that no one could know because if you found out you'd be killed you'd be shot, and uh, I think the number the numbers were staggering. At one point, there were eight hundred Jewish schools, eight hundred underground Jewish schools. It's unbelievable when you think about it. You know, individuals coming through, they could have dropped everything. They had every right to drop everything. And unfortunately, 98% of them did. They only had that one opportunity. If They only just were able to connect to it, to connect to the Torah, connect to the Avodah. Baruch Hashem, you know, these unbelievable individuals who, who saw the light and never gave up and uh, and said, we're not, we're not going to just throw it in. It's a lesson for all of us. As as we as we progress and proceed through life, never to throw in the towel. Never think that God doesn't love me. Never to think that I cannot come closer to Him. Uh, whether I have the ability and the power and the courage to take that first step or not, Hashem will pull me in. And uh, if it's not Shuvu uh, Yisrael. If it's not, come close to me, but at least it's Hashivenu Hashem Elecha Ben Ashuba. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to pull me in. Bezrat Hashem, we find the inner strength. We find that courage to take those steps. We find the power needed to do our Teshuvah. It's not something that we should only reserve for the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It should not be something only reserved when something is going wrong in my life, but it's something that I need to introspect and pay attention to every day of my life. And that's the reason why the Chachamim decided to institute this every single day of the year. Uh, that is uh, not a Shabbat or Yom Tov, three times a day. It's that important. It's that it's that much focus that we need to uh, emphasize and and internalize. And Bezrat Hashem, we will to a Teshuvah Shelema, a crown of perfect repentance crowned to us by none other and the Almighty. Wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful night.